When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bullpen. Here's your hosts, Rob Bontenot and Thomas Chavadia. Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of The Bullpen, a Houston Texans podcast. we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about on this episode, but before we can do that, let's bring them on. Tom, what's up, buddy? What's up, Houston Texan fans? Good evening, Rob. I'm excited to talk about football. I know the XFL just kicked off, but every day gets us closer to the draft, which gets us closer to training camp, which gets us closer to a new season of Houston Texans football. New sheriff in town, D'Amico Ryan's dying to see what he does with this team. His his thing is about teaching young guys, and he's got a young group to work with. You speak about the XFL. Houston won their game. San Antonio lost their game. But they did announce that the XFL championship game will be held in San Antonio, who filled the entire lower bowl up with fans. And to me, the reason why is because San Antonio wants a football team so bad. I remember when Katrina hit and New Orleans played two home games in San Antonio, sold out easily. The Alamo Bowl gets packed. Anytime there's a football game, it gets packed. Do I think they're ever going to get a team? No. I just don't see it happening. But anyway, XFL kicked off. I didn't watch any of the games, did you? I did watch a little bit of the Roughnecks. Uh, They are the defending champions. It is Houston's bright spot when it comes to football. Quick side note, I graduated from UTSA, and while I was at UTSA, I wrote a paper on bringing a football team to San Antonio, the benefits, how they would be able to do it, all the infrastructure, all the things, and made a great grade. I, too, believe that San Antonio deserves a football team. 
I believe we have that team in Dallas to blame for it. And I think until Jerry is willing to let go of the grip that he has on San Antonio, you guys will be Cowboy fans by choice. (laughs) I think a lot of, it's kind of like the question that people have asked me about if the, if San Antonio got a baseball team, would you still be an Astros fan? Eventually? No. Eventually I think I would switch to the team. You have the Texans. If you have it, if you have it, it's loyal to the soil. That's your saying. If you have one nearby, you can get season tickets. It'd be hard not to be a fan, but let's talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say when the Oilers left town, I did not jump to be a Titans fan. I did not jump to be a Cowboys fan. I was like, well, I can't have a team. I can't have a team. So So, you're loyal to the soil. I I find that I got, I got, I got to ride with, 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 with my guys. You know, when I moved to San Antonio, I didn't become a Cowboys fan because they were the only thing you could watch on TV. They got all the rights. So I couldn't, I couldn't quit my guys. All right. So let's talk about the Super Bowl briefly. We were both wrong in our picks. We both picked the Eagles. And I think the main thing that happened is that the Chiefs just came out in the second half. I think they scored on every possession. They did. That guy is the MVP for a reason. He came out, led his team to the victory. I don't have any complaints about the the holding call that got called. Philly fans think that's why they lost. There's other reasons you lost, not just that one thing. I know it sucks, but anyway, what what's your thoughts on the Super Bowl? I think that holding call robbed us of a really, really great football game because it, it it entered doubt. You know what I mean? Neither team was really stopping anybody. Now, did the Chiefs have great second half success? Yes. But they had to because the Philly uh, the, the Eagles did whatever they wanted the first half of that game. They scored all these points, ran out to this huge lead, and it was only the fact that the Chiefs were able to score every time in the second half that it was even a game to begin with. So I, I think you you that holding call was not what lost them the game, but I think it robbed a chance to have a true clear cut, no dispute winner without a Philly fan going, we got robbed because that, that particular play happened at a moment in time where if they don't call it, there's a minute and 58 seconds left on the clock and a timeout for Philly to come down and tie the game. They're still in field goal range. It wasn't like it put them in field goal range. So they still kicked the field goal. What it did was it took the opportunity for Philly to answer back, which that game kind of felt like all throughout the game, the last team with the football was going to win. And maybe it goes to overtime. Maybe the Chiefs stand up. Maybe they score a touchdown. You don't know. It would have felt better. It would have felt more complete had that call not been made. What that call allowed the Chiefs to do was run the clock down to nothing and basically take any sort of a miracle, take anything out of the you know the chances. And I just feel like the Chiefs are very talented. I will not take anything away from them. But they have benefited from some calls, a la the New England Patriots early on. It just makes you just... It just makes you question everything because... 
there's that one call in every game that could have went the other way that they got every time. Like yeah. they're not, they're never on the wrong side of those calls that make or break it. They're always on the right side of them. And it just, it just feels wrong. All right. I have a couple of touchdown or turnovers that I'm going to do right now. I'm not even going to save them for the end. Okay. Because they go with the topic of the Super Bowl. So I don't want to have to come back to the Super Bowl. Read a story about NFL wanting to outlaw the tush push. That is, looks like Philadelphia's bread and butter. Do the quarterback sneak? Push me through. Let's get it. What do you think? Should they outlaw it? Let them keep doing it? They said it's not a beautiful play. It's not good to the eyes. Their players are athletic, and they want to see them make a play instead of just doing that. I can't. That, that For me, that's an absolute turnover. I can't understand what what constitutes a beautiful play or not. The fact that they're line and they're they're able to get one yard, for me, is a beautiful play because the game is literally a game of inches. You know, the I, I, I mean, I'm sure you know, but some of the younger crowd does remember the old NFL films where they would break it down and you had, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he had this amazing voice that would narrate all of these NFL films. And it was always like this big, deep voice and NFL is a game of inches and this and that. And it was like, you know, that's, that's something that makes it beautiful to go in. Okay. I need one yard. The NFL is a game of inches. I wish I could remember that guy's name. I feel like it's a co-sell, but I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, I'll look it up. I'll get his, back to his guys, son has a show, or he had one, mm-hmm. but I don't I, remember either one of their names. So I can't me. remember. I, but anyway, the fact that th- they're successful in this play shouldn't be that you outlaw it. You should you should be like, hey, I'm gonna keep running until you stop me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's people just looking for something to cancel for no other reason than to cancel it. That's yeah. what we do as a as a society these days. I think it's dumb. If I'm the Eagles, I'm running it every time. I every fourth and one, I'm, I'm taking it every time. The Eagles' fourth and short percentage of getting it is amazing. It's very amazing. All right, so here's the other one. It was on the Dave Levitard show, and Dan. the guy is Dan Le- Dan Levitard. And it said that John Skipper, I had to look up who he is. I guess he's a, a, an American television executive, maybe worked with ESPN. I didn't read too much. I just want to know who the guy was. But he said the single best way, this is also a touchdown turnover, single best way I can think of for the NFL to increase their annual revenue for their clubs is to make the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event. Touchdown or turnover? Turnover, absolutely turnover. Like they make a ton of money already. Why would you turn around and try to monetize a game that pays for itself? I mean, they charge a bajillion dollars to these pay these people to go watch the game, movie stars, execs, all these people, and they pay it. You don't need to make any more money to justify anything else. And I've never been a fan of Dan Lebetard, so this is totally on brand for him. It's all about what makes him more money and not what makes, you know, the, the fan experience better. Who's, who's, who's signing up to pay for the Super Bowl? No one is. 
but but they'll make their money. I have no doubt in my mind, but it's just, it, it bothers me because in the age of blackouts and stuff like that, where you have so hard to get, you know, just get people in front of the game. That should be the last thing we should be doing. There, there are pay-per-view sports already. You don't need the Super Bowl to be a pay-per-view sport. Not at all. I think the viewership would definitely go down. I think if your team is there, you'd probably get together with some buddies and watch the Texans play. But other than that, you're like, I'm not, I'm not. Maybe if your friend's like, hey, I got the Super Bowl, you can come watch it for free. You'll go watch it. But if it's just you at home alone, I'm not paying $50 for the Super Bowl. Because, I mean, it's like, I think it would hurt the sport because it's like, okay, let's just say we would only pay for the Texans. Texans aren't in the playoffs. I'm not even going to watch the playoffs because I can't watch the Super Bowl. So I think it would be very dumb. And it's a super turnover. If you can have two turnovers in one play, this would be it. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I could understand if you were telling me that they were losing money on something. Like, a hundred and what was it? One hundred eighteen million people tuned in for the halftime show, and only one hundred thirteen million people tuned in for the game. That's five million viewers you got to this game for no other reason than the halftime show. You're gonna lose those. Because nobody's gonna pay for that. They're gonna they're gonna catch it on YouTube the next day. I I for me when my team's not playing, I'm watching the Super Bowl commercials. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna watch them the next day. I'm not watching the game. Yeah. They even someone even said that the halftime acts don't even get paid. So they're even getting free entertainment. And the, and and their ads are outrageous. Outrageous. I don't know how people are gonna afford it. I actually forgot I forgot one, but since we're still talking about the Super Bowl. What was your favorite commercial? Ooh, I'm you a know big mine. movie. Go ahead. Mine was the Kiss commercial with Paul Stanley. About <laughs> people don't say you're a rock star. Loved it. Um, man, you put me on the spot. I can't remember. I'm a big movie guy, so all the movie premieres, I love those. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even remember any other ones. Yeah, there was good ones. I won't say there weren't good ones. It's just it's there been were a couple. Yeah. There were, it's just like Paul Stanley in a commercial and Ozzy Osbourne and those guys, Billy Idol. It was, it's a pretty cool commercial. All right, so let's go with the Texans here, buddy. We we mentioned the last time we were together that you're excited about seeing who uh, D'Amico Ryan Staff's going to be. He's hiring guys. They hired Bobby Slowick as offense coordinator, 10 years in the National Football League. 2010, he was the video assistant with Washington. He helped break down the upcoming opponent's game, and he was the passing game coordinator with San Francisco, who had three guys with very impressive numbers. So Bobby Slowick is a a disciple of Kyle Shanahan, the West Coast offense, you know, built from his dad. And, uh, it's one of those things where it's, it's high octane, you know, a lot of uh, variations, uh, really schemed up stuff. So if you watch any of the Niners this year, you know that they ran out with the running back. They ran wide receivers. They had jet sweeps. They threw from the running back spot. They threw from the wide receiver spot. They were very creative, very innovative. And I think that's something that is exciting to watch when properly run, you know, with, with great talent, San Francisco definitely had great talent. So ideally I feel like 
with this young team to be able to add some weapons in the draft, Bobby Stokes, the perfect guy to come in and teach a young group this, this offense and just go and they don't have any bad habits coming in or whatever. Just going to be able to take what he's got and go with it. Yeah. They had Debo Samuel, 77 receptions for 1400 yards. Second year receiver, Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. 56 catches for 862 and then Kittle 71 catches for 910 Samuel and Kittle are both pro bowlers so are they really that good or is it just coaching and the uh scheme who knows but they are good players I think they're great I think that the scheme only made them better uh Debo Samuel you would get him coming out of the backfield a lot so sometimes he would line up next to the running back, which gave a lot of deception. Christian McCaffrey being back there, he's he's an obviously a monster. So they had tons of weapons, but they were also put in amazing positions. One of the highest scoring offenses before, you know, injuries started to mount up on them. And then they had to, you know, entrust their offense to a, se- a seventh round pick, you know, in his first season. And they still scored a ton of points. So I think... He's proven he's got a little bit of a track record. They're proven that he can score points. And this is something that the Texans desperately need in their offense. All right. The next thing I want to do is just remind everyone. I know everyone's excited about the Texans. I am. You are. They made the playoffs 2011, 2012, 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019. It hasn't been that long since they've been a playoff team. So the drought isn't that bad. I don't know if we get there this year, but we're close. I wouldn't even say that they're close. I think they're about three years away from being very, very, very competitive. Someone predicted them seven and 10. That's they made the playoffs nine and seven, you know, with, with nine wins. So I think they, I mean, I think they're kind of close. Depends on the draft a lot too, I guess. How, how the how the players pan out. I think seven and 10 is like a perfect season for them. I really think it's going to be so tough for them to win more than seven games, given that it's a new offense, a new defense, a new coach, new coordinators, new players. It's going to be really tough for them to come in and hit on all cylinders right away. I think they're going to make some mistakes, both from the head coach, from the young players, stuff like that. It's going to cost them a game or two. So when you look at it like that, I think next year, next year, I feel more like the following season, you can talk about nine and nine and what is that? Nine and seven, nine and eight, nine and eight. I'm sorry. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, maybe compete for the division. The division's not going to be crazy, crazy uh, competitive. I think, I think that it's like Tennessee should be the cream of the crop. And then everybody else we shall see. So Hopefully, yeah, I, I just wanted to remind everybody that, you know, like when we talked about it last time and you said four and 10 would be successful and I, or whatever it is, four and 13, mm-hmm. four wins would be successful. I said six and that may have been a stretch. And this football website, I don't remember who it was. I should have wrote it down, but they had seven. So they're looking, I don't know, Texans are turning heads nationally without even doing anything yet, just by the coach and the team they're building, draft picks. It's nothing but positive. Matt Schwab, 
was on, I think, 610. They interviewed him. And he was talking about D'Amico Ryans. He said when he went from Atlanta to Texans, D'Amico had already established himself as the leader on the defense. He was wise beyond his years. He saw the game as a seven or eight year vet. And he's only and he was coming off his rookie season. He said, I think hiring D'Amico was one of the better decisions that has been made around there. It's interesting. I know that if you listen to the sports talk radio around town before the hire, this was like the easiest punching bag, right? The Texans were just notorious for bad decisions, questionable decisions. They didn't do things right. They were just band-aid, band-aid, band-aid. They never tried to fix the problem. Lots of accusations were made about whether, you know, the general manager was running the show or if he was a puppet how much, you know, he, if he had too, too much control because he was in the press boxes on, on game day, stuff like that. All I know is that this team, it, it seems like with ownership, this team is like determined to get this thing turned around, right? A lot of the, the statements, they've, they've been more vocal. The owner, his wife, they've been out at different events talking about making sure they make the right choices, get the right pick, getting getting more involved with the general manager and i just think like now the now the media is coming with them so this is i I agree i totally agree what he said this is the right choice for this club for a multitude of reasons but one just because he's hungry for the job i think i think before this wasn't a desirable job he called this his dream job so for me if nothing else the fact that you have a guy that wants to be here that wants to be successful here is is just the, the 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 ball that you need to get going in the right direction. That's that's the start of everything. So I'm really excited to see, and 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 D'Amico's such an energetic guy on the sideline. I can't wait to see that in NRG. You know, with the house packed, it'll be energy instead of energy. <laughs> All right, the Texans also hire Denver Broncos tight end coach Jake Moreland. Not gonna lie, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the coaches you're not supposed to know, right? You're, you're really, if you know the wide receiver coach or the, you know, running backs coach, you're you're probably pretty well read because most fans, uh, even even a lot of the different writers and stuff like that, they'll keep up with all the coordinators, offense, defense coordinators, special teams, probably, and then the head coach, and that's as far as it goes. So when you start talking about all these position player coaches. They're normally guys just getting in it, you know, or probably a previous player or something like that, you know, coach's assistant, son, who knows? Yeah. So. All right. I saw another story. Could the Texans target Jacoby Myers, wide receiver from New England? I guess he's hidden free agency this year. They could target a number of wide receivers. It's, it's, it's a well-known fact that Brandon Cooks wants out. He is under contract, but they will look to move him. So when you look at the wide receiver depth on this team, it's really, really a couple guys, and that's it. So Nico Collins and X. So we'll definitely see them probably draft a guy. There's there's some guys in the draft that are really exciting. There's a young man out of TCU who's considered one of the best wide receivers in the draft. And then there's a potential to go get a guy. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has, has, has 
we talked about with the Niners. Apparently he's displeased with potential contract extensions, stuff like that. He could be moved. That'd be somebody that could potentially be trying to follow his old, you know, offensive coordinator because while Bobby Slug didn't have the title as offensive coordinator because Kyle Shanahan called all the plays, he was pretty much the de facto offensive coordinator in San Francisco. So they have a relationship. Obviously he knows the offense. What better way to get a head start on teaching a team or an offense the system by having some of those guys that played in it at the at the at the last stop. So hopefully we know more about the roster going forward so that the draft is kind of clear. It'll be interesting to see what moves they make leading up to the draft so you kind of know what they're looking for, what holes have already been filled, rather than saying, okay, they need everything. So they just draft everything. Jacoby Myers had 800-plus yards receiving and six touchdowns in 2022, and he has ties to the Texans' general manager. So I guess that's another reason they wrote that story about him. So looking at the draft, you have the Georgia defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, Alabama defensive end, Will Anderson. Known as the two best players in the draft. Without a doubt, this is, this is who everybody says these are the best two players. So the question is, this was a poll. You would be disappointed with Anthony Anthony Richard at number 12 if they take one of these two guys. Because I said it before, remember, that the quarterback is hit and miss. The quarterback is, is probably the worst position as far as getting someone that's going to be good. You know, you just never know. But people like this, these big guys, I think there's more of a chance that they're going to be successful. And you mentioned this quarterback from Florida. He's a big guy. But would you be disappointed? I'd be disappointed. I'm going to tell you why. Because the story on Anthony Richardson is that he is incredibly athletic, but incredibly raw. So that he would be a project. Something that you would need to have great care. It would take him two or three years to get going. This is the number 12 pick in the first round. Now, for me, I understand that's probably the third, fourth quarterback off the board. I get that. But I feel like a guy that's raw that you're going to need to work on that you may not want to to be, that isn't your franchise quarterback. Are you taking him in the top half of the first round of an NFL draft? For me, the answer is no. To sit for on me, the bench for two or three years? And that's the thing. If he comes in and he can't read defenses and Davis Mills makes this guy look bad, well, now you have a number 12 pick sitting on the bench where that could have been that said wide receiver from TCU. Right. So a lot has been made out of what's going to happen at the top. A lot has been made out of, okay, some people are saying on Twitter and social media and, and national media that the Texans are Bryce Young or busts and potentially would trade up to the number one pick, which I think is a mistake because the draft capital you'd have to give up. I just saw something recently that said, for the Texans to move up one spot, they would have to trade the number two pick, the number 33 pick, and the number 104 pick. So you're talking about your first, second, and I think fourth picks in the draft this year to get one spot. That'd be a no and, for me. 
and while and while I, I I agree, Bryce Young could be a generational quarterback. Trey Lance is the is is the the t- the cautionary tale that I'm going to tell everyone because the Niners traded up, traded I think three first round picks to get Trey Lance because they needed a guy. Trey Lance is now going to fight with a seventh round pick who outshined him for that spot. And, and and they traded all this draft capital, which could have been more players to fill that roster out. Did the Niners need it? No. But when you're a young team, kind of like the Astros, I'll use the Astros a little bit. We talk about the Astros plenty, but I'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, when they were coming up, it was about all the young players stacking young talent, young talent, Bregman, Tuve, Correa, Springer. They were uh, LMJ, all young guys, all out of their own system. And then they filled in around those guys. So for the Texans, I feel like the draft capital they have right now, they did a great job trading Deshaun Watson to get more draft capital so that they have all these picks to just get all this young talent so that when it comes time to spend money, they don't have, they're not spending money on anybody because they're, they've got all these young guys. So to trade three of these picks to get up one spot or two of these picks to get up one spot, it's not worth it to me because those are guys that can be starters from day one. My opinion. So would you want Stroud and the wide receiver or one of these big guys and the wide receiver? So I we need a quarterback. Fair. But I kind of think that after Bryce and maybe I'm wrong, but after Bryce, all of these guys got warts. All of them do. Bryce even has a wart in the fact that he's too small. Yeah. So there's no, like, like you said in the last episode, there's no paid man in coming out. There's no Andrew luck, you know, can't miss all these guys got something that makes you go. Ah. So if that's the case, Go get the guys that can't miss. The guy out of Alabama, the defensive end out of Alabama, is super special. Super special. Go build the defense. The guy out of TCU, the wide receiver, special. Go get him. Go 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 draft. This is just my opinion. Go draft a quarterback in the third round. Go get Jimmy G for a year. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you're not in love with one of these quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, the last guy picked in the draft. You never know who's going to be good. Never know. Never know. And if, and what separates Anthony Richardson from, I think there's a guy from Tennessee that's projected in the third round is this big. It's, you know, it's, it's very small coach him up. I'm okay with that. Coach him up. I'm all for that. Get the guys that can't miss, go get a veteran. I mean, if, if Bryce young is your man, and that's who you want, then go get him. But if he's not there, go a different route. Get these big dudes. Get someone to throw to. Get a quarterback later in the draft. I'm all for that. But anyway, Tom, that's all I have. <laughs> this has been episode three <laughs> of the bullpen. Yes, sir. I think it went well. And what I want to do is give you your final thoughts. My final thoughts is going to just piggyback on what I was just saying. The draft for me is the most important. It's the most crucial thing for this team right now. And I think that maximizing their draft capital is what will make them successful going forward. I think the most important thing is if anything, 
say say you're not in love with uh, Bryce Young. Say he falls to you. Trade back. Get 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 all the picks. Get all the picks because I think this 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 young coaching staff, the 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 things that D'Amico said in his presser, the things that are said about the guys around him, is that they coach up young players. Fill this room full of young players. And 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 just get the best talent you can possibly get out of the draft and go from there rather than trying to reach for players that you probably don't have to reach for. All right, buddy. That is an amazing final thought. <laughs> but anyway, it's time to leave the bullpen for the day, folks. And we will see you next time on the bullpen.